Hey, it's working. Good morning, everybody. I get to be the dude that stands up here in front of you for a while today. Hope we don't get up and walk out yet. Wait till we're done. You can. Thank you. Or you can now. That's fine. It's all good. So thanks for being here. Um, it is. Uh, it's a good thing to see everybody and um, know that God still rules in a lot of people's lives. And uh, the reason why we're here is to just to uh, understand that, to know how to do it better, and to recognize that uh, the way we've been living might need some upkeep, might need some, uh, in some ways, to become better, um, and move on. And uh, I, I like the song, uh, Be Glorified in Me. I love that song because when I wake up, it's not always the feeling that I have in the morning that, God, I want you to be glorified in me today. And I know that if I thought that, it would be something that would probably change who I was that morning even. And I, I think that if we can remember some of those things that we even sing, and I know, I don't know why it is that like sermons, I cannot remember them at all. But you put them to music, and guess what? You can remember them a lot easier. Same with anything. Think about things you remember. Uh, songs on the radio, you remember songs that come on that are 50 years old for some of us who are that old. You know that. You could sing every single word because why? It's a melody. You remember. And I want that to be God in me. I want to be glorified in God. I want to know that I wake up today. That's what I remember. That's what I am. And so I like that song anyways. Today we're going to talk um, about being a person who is, yes, good, but good spiritually, good person, yes, but there might be more. And so I want to invite you to enjoy with me what it is that I see in my own life and maybe apply it to yours because this is exactly why I'm up here. I don't do this because I feel like um, the people, you guys, need help. I feel like this guy is the one who could use the help. And that's why I come up with topics that apply to me and um, that maybe will bless you as well. So really where I'm at is, um, do I see in my life that what I am as being a good person good Christian person. Is that enough? So our title is, is Good Enough today, and it comes from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. There's a lot of times in the Bible where we are called good, and uh, it helps us to know what good is. It says, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good, or to do good works, which God prepared, for it, it, God prepared in advance for us to do. There's a lot of places we'll look today that has, has the word good in there that allows us to know how we're supposed to be or what we're supposed to be as far as what good means. But what I'm after is, is this idea of good enough? Is this idea of good enough? When I think about being good or I think about somebody being good at something, other words come to mind as well. Something like an average person come to mind. They're good at it. They're average. They're proficient. They're regular, they're typical, they're run-of-the-mill, they're ordinary, standard, normal, decent, respectful, moral, upright, virtuous, noble, satisfactory, competent. Those are good people. They can handle themselves, they're good. They're good at it. Have you ever found yourself in your life and things that you do saying the word or the phrase, oh, that's good enough. That's good enough. Let's talk about a few of those, those things. Um, I remember in school... I didn't want to do the assignments. So I would do what I felt was good enough, and then I would turn it in. 
And I would hope that in somehow the teacher was enlightened to know that this good enough paper was something better. And that I would get a really good grade for what I know was just me. I didn't really want to do it, so I just did what I thought was good enough. That was me. I made it through school. I'm a school teacher now. I don't know how that works, but that did, is, is what I did. Um, cleaning the house. It's good enough. It's good enough. My wife vacuums all the time. It's like, why? Unless I see like a pile of crumbs or something, I'm not going to vacuum. You know, it's, it's, yeah, there's no point. I mean, you just, I don't know, filling up vacuum bags and stuff. I don't know. It's, there's no point. I don't know. It's, it's good enough. Food. I'll, oftentimes, I'm not the fanciest eater. I don't care. I'm not like maybe some of you who have to have sauces upon sauces. I know my cousin JB, when I go to a fa even a fast food restaurant with him, they order what they want to order. And then come the list of sauces that they have to have. All right, Ryan, his son, what do you want? They'll start listing off sweet and sour and barbecue and barbecue ranch. And, but I was like, I don't even know they had sauces like that. I just want to eat what I'm given. It's good enough. I don't need all that fancy stuff. It goes down just fine. I don't know. It's just maybe the way I am. How about folding laundry? Seriously. I was in a store the other day, and I noticed they have like these plastic folder, helper folder thingies. You set the shirt in there, and it folds it one way, it folds it another way, it folds it this way, it folds it that way. Women can do that. For me, it's good enough. Don't look in my drawer. They don't fit. I just push. Push and push. If it's wrinkled, I blame it on my wife. Somebody notices that she doesn't like to iron. Actually, it's me. I just pushed it in there and pushed it in there. It's good enough. Nobody looks at me anyway. Who cares? Right? It's different. It's good enough. Fashion. It's good enough. For me, again, this, this is why I'm talking about this stuff. It's just for me, I guess. Maybe everybody else is different. Fashion for me is different. It's, it's just good enough. I, I tuck in my shirts. I don't care. I don't care if it matches. My belt doesn't match my shoes. It's, I don't care. I wear socks with my sandals. That's hereditary from my father. <laughs> Setting up these chairs right here. I don't have a measuring stick to measure back and forth and side to side. They look good enough. It's good enough. I am a lot like that in many, many ways. And I know you probably have some things too that you're just saying... It's good enough. But there are other things that we have to say, you know what, that's not good enough for me. I want it to be done well. I want it to be done great. Better than just good enough. Some of those things like our hair. Ladies, our hair. I could say singular, my hair. It's going away. <laughs> clean cars. I know some people think that a clean car runs better. Yes. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. It does. Um, our jobs, you, have, you can't just do it good enough. You have to do it to the best of your, I mean, better than good enough. Good enough. It needs to be great. Agreed. Some of us are that way. Uh, I don't know. Some of the things that I think I have to be good enough at, uh, more than better than, I mean, better than just good enough maybe. Um, walking quietly in the woods and I'm hunting. If you're with me and you're making a bunch of noise, you will know that you're just being good enough. You need to be better than that. 
or I'll, I will let you know pretty quick. Don't go hunting with me. No, I'm, I'm using that that bad. Huh, Danny? <clears throat> yeah. The things, though, that we think that are, you know, we have to be better than just good enough are the things that we hold in a high priority. Agree? We care about these things. They are a much higher priority to us. And we'll make, our do, we'll make ourselves do them well. Better than just good enough. Because that's what we want. That's because we prioritize those things. Those ideas mean something to us. It's more than just good enough. It has to be great. So where do those standards come from? Who makes us say one thing has to be really, really good, one thing has to be great, and other things are just good enough? What makes that in us? Well, it has to again do with these priorities, these ideas that we have, that we feel that we care about or we don't care about. Whether it be our job, whether it be our folded laundry, whether it be how our appearance is, whether it be who we are as a person. If we care about those things enough, they become something that we feel that we need to be great at. So those standards that we have, those things develop over time. I brought some standards with me. These are what you call, if you can read them, the complete Common Core State Standards. Because I am a teacher, I get to play with these all the time. I was going to read a couple to you, just so you know what they sound like. What I have to teach to every single day. I'll post them out of math. This is number and operations fractions. I can use equivalent fractions to add and subtract fractions and mix numbers with unlike denominators. Those are a standard we have to live up to. You have to be, you have to be great at these. You can't just be good enough. Um, let's see. Let me get some other ones here. I can explain that a fraction is the, is the division of the numerator by the denominator. I can solve division word problems where the answer will be a fraction or a mixed number. I should read the back side. Those are the student-friendly ones. The ones in the back are the ones that are, are tougher, more, you know, fat words. I can interpret the product A divided by B times Q as parts of a portion of Q into B equal parts. Equivalently, as a result of a sequence of operations A times Q divided by B. That's a priority. Oh, man. Find the area of a rectangle. Okay, that sounds okay. With fractional side lengths by tilting it with unit squares. Tilting it? Tiling it. I can't even read these. With the appropriate unit fraction side lengths so that the area is the same as it would be found by multiplying the side lengths. Multiply fractional side lengths to find areas of rectangles and represent fraction products as rectangular ideas. And you wonder why teachers are confused. Yeah, I get to deal with this every single day. I have to put one of these, or two of these, or three of these standards with every one of my lessons that I get to teach. Believe me, I, have, I, have, I, I cheat sometimes, and I just know what the lesson is, so I don't have to worry about it so much. However, that's, that's kind, of what was, kind of what we have to do. We have to set these standards because I have to care about this. If I don't care about this, if I don't do it good enough, the kids, first of all, won't be getting the education they're supposed to be getting, but more importantly, my job probably won't be held on to very long. So why do I have to do all this? Why do I have to worry about all those fat-worded, long, lengthy, common core standard things? Because if I don't, like I just said, it could cost something. So is good enough in that? Is good enough when it comes to the things that we just, eh, why? 
Really, it doesn't make sense to me. Is good enough when it comes to those things? Well, who sets these standards? Let's read a, an example of, of standards through the years in math. Math teaching a while back. Here's the problem. A logger sells a truckload of lumber for 100 bucks. The cost of production is four-fifths of the price. What is his profit? Straight up math problem. Four-fifths of 100. We got this. What's his profit? We could do that. I could figure that one out. A little bit later, a logger sells a truckload of lumber for 100 bucks. His cost of production is four-fifths the price, or 80 bucks. What's the profit? A little bit easier. Hmm. A little bit later, in our development of standards here in the U.S. of A. These aren't true, by the way, but they're fun to read. A logger sells a truckload of lumber for 100 bucks. His cost of production is 80 bucks. Did he make a profit? Yes. Teaching a little bit later. A logger sells a truckload of lumber for 100 bucks. His cost of production is 80 bucks and his profit is 20 bucks. Your assignment is to underline the number 20. Oh. Now I'm talking. I can handle this. And the latest teaching room, here we go. This is totally it right here, USA right here. A logger cuts down a beautiful forest because he is selfish and inconsiderate and cares nothing for the habitat of animals and the preservation of our woodlands. He does this so he can make a profit of 20 bucks. What do you think of his way of making a living? <laughs> Topic for class participation is answering the question, how did the birds and the squirrels feel as the logger cut down their homes? And there are no wrong answers. Isn't that how it's going today? Seriously, everybody's okay. So who sets those standards? Who really does? Our standards are set by an influence, whether it be internal or external, that influences us in our lives. As a teacher, I've always hoped that, or I always continue to hope that my kids can be good enough on these standards. They can meet that standard. They can be able to understand it and be proficient in it. Those proficient kids are able to show me on a consistent basis that they are able to understand and do what they're asked to do. Then there are those kids who are just kind of good, the partially proficient children, who can show me to me probably 70% of the time, 60% of the time. There's still kind of some issues there. They don't really know what's going on, but they kind of have an idea. And then there's the unsat kids, the kids who are the red zone. We don't know really what to do with these kids. You might have been one of those kids. We have a lot to do with these kids, actually. They're, the, they're our pride and joy when they actually start to grow and be able to uh, become something. But these are the kids that just basically have an I need extra help tag. And it's okay that they do because something's going on. And we need to figure out what that is. But any growth in these kids is a milestone. And when they get the basic things of schooling, we rejoice. It is a good thing. And then, of course, there's the kids on the top end that are the talented and gifted kids, you know, of which all of you probably were. Talented and gifted kids, the report card's the easiest thing to do with a talented and gifted kid because it's just A, 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 and another A. Done. Pleasure to have in class. Done. I love A's. They're easy. I love, I love talented and gifted kids. It's good. They are more than just good. They're good enough plus some. They're a little bit better. All right? Sometimes it has to do with talent, of course. Sometimes it has to do with skills. Sometimes it has to do with just flat-out paying attention. However, 
That's kind of what we could become labeled as. So with more expectations in schooling, the higher your learning needs to become or the better you need to become at something. And when we think just good enough, I am not sure if you reach a milestone in life if that's all there is to it. I think there might be more. And I hope that in life, not, not spiritual yet, we'll get there. In just life, you would notice that. You know what? As a dad, as a, uh, a mom, as a, a person who has a job, I don't just want to settle for just good enough. I want to become a little bit better. I want to just to challenge myself to become something more. And I think that's why God created us, and that's what I'm talking about today. So what if people who once invented something would have just said, oh, I like it, it's good enough, let's stop here. What would the cell phone look like? You would have that brick. Remember that brick of a cell phone? That's what it would be. Ah, good enough. We got this. It's good enough. Put some wheels on that sucker. You can carry it behind it like a suitcase. Now they're like this big. In fact, they're getting bigger because they got too small, I think. You can't even push the buttons on them. My thumb fits over the whole screen. What if cars stopped getting better? Model A Ford. Got it. Good enough. Wind it up. You're good to go. 35 miles an hour. What if washboards? We're it. That's it. We don't need a washer and dryer. Nope, we'll just keep washing our clothes in that washboard and that little pot, or that little pan of water. That's it. How about glasses? Oh, we invented the eyeglasses. We wouldn't have contacts. We wouldn't have LASIK. We wouldn't have any of these things if good enough was just what we stuck with. Agree? What about the old vinyl records? They're kind of popular at this particular point. They have some value to them. However, I like my CDs and MP3s and all those wonderful things that you can get, downloads from Apple Tunes or iTunes and all that good stuff. Typewriters. Some people think we still should have typewriters. Changed into quite a bit better. Agree? Have you guys seen those, those keyboards now that they like just project a beam and it shows the keyboard on your desk and you just type into the keyboard on a desktop thing that's not even a keyboard and then it, when you're done it like loops it back up into the screen? It's like, really? It's crazy. I don't, I don't get that. Pretty soon I'll just be up here. You'll just think it and it'll show up on your screen. You watch. If it was good enough though, we'd just be stuck with typewriters. Ding, shoot, ding, hit your little thing. Kerosene lamp, good enough? Nope, we need a light bulb. I like kerosene lamps when you're camping or whatever. Kind of nice. Um, fireplace. I felt so bad for people when I watch movies of old timers, like Old West. Did you see how they had to sleep? Keep that fire going, they get as close to it as possible. It's like freezing cold out. Keep that fire going, it's the only thing they got for heat. Felt so bad for those people. I like my heater. Kicks on every night. It's really nice. If good enough is just a good enough is just a fireplace, well, I'm not sure if we'd be much better. How about the old Pony Express dude delivering mail? Think about how, how good enough would have been if we hadn't continued to get better. And think about going to those libraries now. I go to the library to rent DVDs. That's the only thing I go there for. That's right. I don't go there for books. I got all that online. 
if good enough was just good enough back then, it still is good enough today, I think where would it be? Aren't you glad that we continue to become better as a society, as a person, as people? Yeah, we do. So let's switch it. Let's switch it and go into what it is that as Christians we need to become better at, or what is expected of us as Christians. We have a lot of verses that tell us just to be good, and I'm going to read through a bunch of those, and there should be on the screen there. In order for us to be known as good, we must do a couple of things. Romans 12.9 says, hate, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. 1 Corinthians 15.33, bad uh, companions, they corrupt good morals. Galatians 6.9, let us not become weary in doing good. Hebrews 10.24 says, Spur one another on to, or to love and to good deeds. James 4.17, to, right, to, to him that knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, he sins. Ephesians 6.8, because you know the Lord will reward everyone who, uh, for, every, for whatever good he does. You can see that there is a lot of good ideas in the Bible. Good. That's what it tells us to be, is good. But again, I ask the same question. Is good enough. Does the Bible just stop there? Yes, those things are definitely need to be met. They definitely need to be lived. But is that good enough? Let's talk about some Bible superheroes. What if they just decided to say, well, I've been good. And good's just enough for me. I'm not going to become great. I'm just going to stay good. How about Paul? Where was he when he got stoned? Lystra? Which other place? Wasn't there twice? Just once? He gets in that spot and he sees those people starting to pick up rocks. Paul says, what? You're going to throw those at me? Forget that. I'm done. God, thanks. That was good for a while. I'm good enough. That was good enough for me. He just gave up. What about Jonah? From the belly, he would have said to God, God, this is the first thing I ever did that was wrong. All I did is try to run a little bit. I mean, why do you expect so much of me? I've been being good. I've been being good. Jonah would have been digested if he would have started saying something like that. What about David? Once he saw Goliath. Remember that story, obviously? That's a good story. You probably would have thought, oh my goodness, this dude's mom must have been huge. I wonder if she ever tried to spank him. Well, I don't think I'm going to try to do that today. I'm good enough. See you later. That would be what David would do. What about Moses? God, you know you called me, or you watched me whip that Egyptian dude. I just killed that guy. You still want to talk to me once you got to the burning bush? You know, the, the Lord's talking to Moses, still trying to get him to be his leader. Didn't you see me kill that guy back there? You still want me to be this guy? You want me to be the leader, really? Can't you see I'm not all that good? I'm just good enough. Moses would have died chasing sheep if he would have just started doubting God at that point. What about Job? If he had just said, oh God, I've been good enough, he would have cursed God and died like his wife told him to do. What about Daniel? If Daniel said, you know what, I've been good enough. I've been following my routine for so many, so many days, weeks, months, years. He forgets to go to his devotions that one day and pray in his window that one day. He would have been baked. That's what would happen to Daniel if he decided, ah, I'm good enough, I'm not going to do it today. What about Joseph? If he would have allowed his sensual desires to lead him to Potiphar's wife, he would have died in prison. I've been good enough already, I can let, it, let go and let in on this one. 
What about Peter? If Peter looked at Jesus after denying him three times and went and just gave up, his standards are just too, good, too much for me. I've been good, but I just can't be that good. He would have never preached a first gospel sermon if he would have just stopped at being good. What about Elijah after summoning hundreds of people up to Mount Carmel and watching all of them watch him and then freak out when it's his turn to show what God can do to this altar? God, I've been good enough, but all these people are looking at me. God, I don't know if I can do this. What a fool he would have made of himself if he wouldn't have done what's great, if he would have just been good enough. And Joshua, lastly, if Joshua would have just, on that sixth time circling the walls of Jericho, if he had started listening to those people that were shouting down from the walls, yo, usually parades throw candy. You guys are making me dizzy. Nothing's going to happen to this city, man. You might as well give up. Joshua would have just said, ah, it's good enough. I did what God asked me to do. Good enough. What's another time? I'm not sure. There never would have been the story about the Israelites getting the promised land. So are you just good? Are you just good? Do you just obey enough to meet the standard? Has your obedience leveled off even though you know the standard is getting a little bit higher each and every day? Are you always going to be a... A becomer rather than the became. Isn't that what you want to be? Are you going to just have potential or be really potent? Are you going to be shown up or are you actually going to show up for our God and our Christ? How then is it that we can be considered to become great as Christians? We need to understand, first of all, how to become great instead of just being good is what are we actually good at? We have a lot of things in our lives that God has given us as talents. And I'm talking just every average everyday talents that God gives you. What has God given you that is a talent? Many of us are good at the arts. Drawing, painting, sculpting, dance, whatever it might be. Many of us are good at music, singing it and playing it. Some of us are good at organizing. I put uh, the bossy ones. You're good at that. It's not just because you have a big mouth. It's because you're good at it. God allowed you to be that way. Some of us are really good at something very difficult for a lot of us. Is that is just being a person who is very encouraging. That's a talent. That is not just something that you can decide to become. That's a talent. And how do we become great? This is what we're talking about. We're talking about that we need to understand what we're already good at. Uh, some of us are really good at figuring things out. You can think quickly. You understand how things work. You know how things go. Some of us are good at athletics. Well, that's fine. You gotta understand what you're already good at so that you, become, so that you can become great. Um, some of us are really good at building things, taking apart things and putting them back together, the engineer type. We're really good at that stuff. So God gave us these talents, what do we do with them? Well, in order to become great for him, you gotta turn, turn to God and say, God, you gave me this talent, how can I use this to be great for you? That's exactly what you have to do. Focus using those things to benefit who God is. How do we become great? We use what's already great in us or good in us to become better. How can I use my goods for Christ to make me great for him? There's two different ways I feel that you could do this. 
Yes, there's ways in the church that God can be used, or that, I'm sorry, God can use you. Yes, there is. There definitely is. In the church in Ephesians chapter 11 and 12, or chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, it says that Christ gave himself, uh, gave apostles to the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. You might be a person who could see yourself doing something with your talent within the church because God gave us all to be something different here. You might be able to use that thing you're really good at outside of the church inside the actual church with the people. You definitely can. That's a calling. That is a talent. That's how we can use what's already good in us to become great. Outside the church, Matthew chapter 9. I love this particular uh, group of verses here. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. It's when Jesus is talking and he finds Matthew. As Jesus went from there, he saw a man named Matthew. Chapter 9, verse 9. It says, I don't have these up here, sorry. Um, you just have to read along with me. Um, he found Matthew sitting in the, as a tax in the tax collector's booth. So what was he? He was obviously a tax collector, a guy who was not liked very much at all back in those days. Well, we don't like him today either. So we'll just keep it at that. Um, so Jesus went up to the booth and he says, follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Verse 10 says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners, oh my goodness, Jesus, sinners, came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with the tax collectors and the sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus says, is it not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick? But go and learn what that means. I desire, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. We can be great, guys. Get this, outside of the church, we can be great when we eat with the sinners. That's what Jesus just did. We can become great when we take what we have, our talents, to the streets. You're really good at some of the things that you do it for your jobs. I know you are. That's why you still have your job. Use that out there for the sake of Christ. Become really good at it so that you will have people that like you, that respect you, and then you can have a reason to tell them why you're likable and why you're respectable. Because you have somebody who's bigger than you, who you care to be great for, rather than just be good for. I want to be great for my Christ, for God, because he allowed me to have this talent. He allowed me to have these ideas. I want to be great for that. Take it to the streets. Go eat with the sinners. How many of you have friends that are not here? That are sinners, as we would call them. Of course, we're all sinners. But you're talking, the Bible says it. Eating with the sinners. The people who aren't churched, right? The people who aren't here. The sinners. That's what the Bible calls them. We know who those people are. All right? How many of us have people that we know? That we work around all the time? That we have an ability. We play with them in sports. That's my deal. I play with guys all the time in sports. That could be a talent that God gave me that I need to use for him to become great. Why am I playing this sport? So I can make myself look good? No. So I can make God look good through my relationships with the people I play with. God gave me a talent to be a teacher. Why? So that I could raise up and nurture kids? No. So that I can be an influence on those kids for the sake of Christ and the people I work with. That's what God asks us to be. That's going from good to being great. All right? That's what we're supposed to be thinking about in this particular case. So we're still talking about how do we become great? Well, there's one thing that's a negative thing that I want to get to, and then we get back to a positive thing that might be holding you up from being great, and that is that there could be something holding us back from even being 
good. There could be something in our heart, in our life, in our mind that has not yet given in to the sake of Christ. That you want to be good, you want to be great, but you can't because you do not have what God expects you to have living within you. There was the movie, Remember the Titans. You guys remember that football movie? Great movie, great example of, of sportsmanship and how to get along with people. Well, there's one scene where the captains of the football team, his name is Gary, he's a white guy, um, and Julius, the, the main black character, or one of the main black char characters, um, get together and they're supposed, to, they're supposed to share with each other. Coach Boone is having them share things with each other just to make black and white people talk in the, in the, the days of racism. And um, Julius and, and Gary run into each other and Gary's like, Julius, I'm just going to tell you right now that I'm tired of you not doing what God gave you to do. You have a talent to play football and you're not using it. You're, you're a waste of God-given talent, he says. Gary says to Julius. And, and Julius says, well, Gary, I understand. I understand. But he said, I'm just going to get me and mine. Julius says this. And he says, I'm going to get me and mine because you know your boys, your white boys, aren't blocking for my black boys at all. So why should I give my all for the team? And Gary looks at Julius and says, man, see, that's such a horrible attitude. That is such a horrible attitude. And Julius looks back at Gary and says, Gary, are you the leader on this team? Are you the captain? He goes, yeah, I'm the captain. He goes, attitude reflects leadership. Attitude reflects leadership. In your life, your attitude reflects leadership. Who's leading your life? Your attitude is reflected by who's rising inside of you. If your God and your Savior is the person who you care about, you wake up to glorify, be glorified in me every single day, your attitude will reflect that leadership. If your attitude is that I let people tell me how to live, I let the world tell me how to live, I let my selfishness tell me how to live, your attitude will reflect that. Attitude reflects leadership. Ephesians 4 verse 14 says, Then we will no longer be like immature children. We won't be tossed around and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will be, not be influenced when people try to trick us into lies and being so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way, more and more like Christ, who is the head, the body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. And he helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. How does that happen? When, we, when our attitudes reflect the leadership of Christ within us. And the last thing we'll talk about and how we should become great is that the idea that our God loves us beyond our imagination. If you do not know that your God loves you beyond more than anything in this world, you will never be great. Our God loves us beyond our highest imagination. There might be days that we don't feel like my God loves me because of my wrongs, because of my sin, because of my action. But in Romans chapter 8, verse 31, it says, Wait then, what shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who could be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not, how will 
he, not also, along with him, graciously give us all things. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus Christ, who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall treble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we will face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, verse 37, no, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am convinced that neither life, nor death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love that God has for us. Nothing can separate us from this love. We could be the worst person one day. Guess who still loves me? My God does. Yeah, he's disappointed, but he still loves you. We could be the greatest person one day. Our God loves us. We could be just near, kind of good one day. God loves us. If you do not recognize God loves you beyond everything, you'll never be great. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. Do they not sow and reap and store away in barns? And yet your heavenly Father feeds them? Are you not much more valuable than they? What an honor to know. My God loves me beyond anything, beyond everything that I can possibly do. He loves me. I am convinced, as it says back there in, in Romans, I am convinced that neither death, life, angels, demons, present, future, powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Do you want to be great? Recognize your strengths and pursue them with Christ in mind. Recognize who your attitude is reflecting from. Attitude reflects leadership. And know that Christ loves you more than anything ever in this world. So how do we become changed from being just good? Is good just enough? There's a lot of goods in the Bible. It tells us to be good in many, many, many places. It does. The standards don't stop there, guys. The standards keep going. I want you to be good, but I want you to be great. And it's not just me. I want, like I, I tell my kids at school, I don't, want you just, I don't want you to just please me. I want you to please yourself. I want you to be so, you got this. I want you to be so proud of who you are because of what you've accomplished. Don't do it for me. Do it for your leader. Do it for yourself. Do it for your attitude. Do it for the people who you want to become, the people who you are, who you strive to be. You know you wake up wanting to be that great person. You know you do. Something gets in there and allows you not to be so great sometimes. Let's focus on those things. God loves you. Use your talents for Him. Focus on who your true leader is. And once again, if your true leader is, is, is absent at this particular point, let it be known. Let God know. 
that you've been struggling. It's okay. Let people know that you're struggling. It's okay. You know you're not supposed to be what you're supposed to, or you're not acting like what you're supposed to be. It's okay. There's time. God loves you. He's reaching out his hand, man. Just reach out and he'll reach in. Believe me, it works. That's how it works. So is good enough? For we are all created in God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Did you know that? God prepared in advance for us to do these things. He's planning ahead of you. You just got to recognize and get there. What an honor it is to know that my God cares about me that much that he's planning in advance from what I know, from where I am. Thank you for listening today, and I hope that this can be something of value to you. Let's pray, and then we'll do some uh, announcements. God, thank you for today. Again, thank you that we could be a people who you love. Help us to know that God being good is good. And I know you enjoy that. I know you do. I know you expect us to be that. But God, please allow us to know what great really is. Help us be able to feel that, to have the passion to become something even better. Um, and, and that uh, through our pursuits in life, that you all grant us the uh, opportunities to become great. And know that you love us beyond, beyond our imagination. Fill us with that love and that power. And help us to be able to go from here knowing that tomorrow morning when I wake up, when I walk up, I, even out of here today, that I want you to be glorified in me. So please be glorified in all of our actions. And please be our leader and let our attitude reflect that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Good job, everybody. Thanks for listening. Um, tonight we got a bunch of things going on. Um, four, 5 o'clock to 6 o'clock. A Bible study class is at 5. Study hall. Adam, are you doing study hall?